Sports Lounge Live, a weekly talk show covering baseball, basketball, football, NASCAR, plus the latest sports news, both pro and college. Hear past talk shows on your phone by calling the Conversation Station or as a podcast on your iPhone, Victor Stream, or computer. Visit legendoldies.com for links to automatically connect via your computer or iPhone. Call the sports aficionados at area code 646-876-9923 and enter the pin 287-723-4600, followed by the pound key twice. And now, your hosts, Chris Devin, Perry Lester, Sean Platts, and Bill Sparks. Oh, my. Is it uh, Sunday night, or is this actually Saturday night? It's, it's Saturday. Sunday, Sunday kind of Saturday. It's yeah, Sunday. It's, hey, it's Sunday across right. the pond, yeah. Yeah, it's Sunday sometime. Our German someplace. friends are into Sunday already, and they don't know the difference. It's yeah. Sunday someplace. Yeah. Except yeah. they're up having their uh, schnapps at the midnight. That's the, yeah. the yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm going to let Chris get right to it. Okay. We're All right. Here we go. This is uh, show number 78. This is February 1st, 2020, and we are here for our Super Bowl uh, pregame. Yes, the Super Bowl pregame starts 23 hours early. No, we're not going to go 23 <laughs> hours. Uh, you know, Fox may, but we're not going to. And, uh, you know, we're... Yeah, well, I'm sure they did. Yes. And uh, so, anyway, no, we um, we are doing the show tonight on Saturday so that we can enjoy the Super Bowl like everybody else can uh, uh, tomorrow. And we'll certainly uh, start off by talking about the Super Bowl and, and do other NFL. Kind of going to combine college and pro with both with the sports uh, this week. So we're going to do uh, pro and a little college football together. We are then going to go to NASCAR. And we don't usually go uh, second with NASCAR. We have NASCAR Hall of Famers, and we have a death to report in the NASCAR circuit. And we have a, uh, a uh, little segment that we're going to play about uh, John Andretti, who uh, passed away. So we'll do that. Then we're going to go to, uh, let's see where we're going, basketball, I think, next. Uh, yes, we are. And we're going to do, again, pro and college. And uh, we're going to do the Kobe Bryant, uh, what is it? Uh, Dear, Kobe. Dear, Dear basketball. Dear basketball. Dear basketball. Dear basketball. Then we'll do hockey, and then we'll end up with baseball. And usually we put that first, but uh, we've got some signings and stuff. But we want to end out with our old friend Marty Brenneman. And not that he knows any of us, but he, he has certainly been a friend of the show. We've had him on a couple of times with his retirement. We had him on with his um, uh, thing earlier when, when he announced his retirement, then the end of his uh, his career. And now he is going to talk. It's a little dated because, of course, uh, this had just broken. But he and Bill Cunningham are going to talk about the baseball team scandal and that'll uh, wrap up the show no pam stevens tonight we we are going uh, we we were afraid that we would have to um hustle and get down but i think we're going to be able to fit it in the time that we planned and to start us off and to talk about where everything can be found uh, as we go along is sean all right well first of all as the recording and our announcer mike told you you can dial in 646-876-9923 and then or download your Zoom app and when you're in you can do 287-723-4600 hit the pound key twice and or you know just dot, or yeah then or just come on in if you're in there on the app you know you don't have to hit the pound key there but once you are here if you want to ask a question raise your hand by hitting star 9 on the phone alt y on your computer the more key on your smartphone also, if you want to leave us feedback at any time, 
800-693-0595, option two. We got a little feedback, of course, Sharon, who she left her for all things radio, but she said she listens to all the bad podcasts. I know who yes, Sharon she is over at Little Rock. Yep. So she yep. listens to all the podcasts on her phone. She doesn't listen. I don't think she listens to a lot of it. So thank you for that, even though it was played on the other show. Uh, also, if you want to interact with us, 712-432-3642. Go to board number nine is the Sports Lodge board, and board 13 is the uh, Schedules board. And if you're a fan of pro wrestling, I have brought back Shooting the Beep with Sean, 773-572-7715. It is our old phone number. I'm talking about pro wrestling in 1985, We're looking at the year 1985 this week. So, But also, before we get to football, I mean, we have a couple other random notes we, uh, we didn't throw in. Tonight we have the men's Australian Open final in the middle of the night at three. Yeah, that'll be that'll be three thirty Eastern on ESPN. And last night, last night this morning we had the women's. We had an American other than Serena win it. It was Sophia Kinnan is her name. Sophia Cannon. So, so yeah. An American other than Serena won it. And tonight, I believe it's Novak Djokovic and Federer, I believe. Uh, no, no. It's uh, Dominic no. Team, I believe, is how you announce his name. Dominic Team, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Team Christian. And, and while uh, Robert is working on pronouncing things, we need to say yeah. he's here. And he's Robert Herrick, a.k.a. That's Ringside right. Robert. And pronunciation yeah. Robert. We also put him on all the important yeah. pronunciations. No, I, I'm, well, I'm terrible with some of these foreign yeah, I know. That's, that's why you said yeah, that, but anyway, but that's, Yeah, but that's your... That is your. We got your tennis. Although you can tell, none of us know much about tennis. No, like we don't. Days. We don't. Like no, I go back to Rod to Laver and Billie Jean King. That's what I well, know. Well, I, I figured uh, since since we have the Grand Slam going on, I figured somebody had to do some homework. So no, that was a good idea. Yeah. And, but yeah, now we got like we got the. Now let's get we, to football. So speaking we're getting of the football and, and yeah. all right. So we got we're getting to football and Super Bowl Fifty Four, and it, it's uh, not really scary. I think it's an honor to remember all of them, and I do. I was there the, the January fifteenth, nineteen sixty. And so are the Kansas City Chiefs. They're in Super Bowl 54. They haven't been there in 50 years. They were in Super Bowl 4. They beat the Vikings. Of course, they lost uh, 35 to 10 to the uh, Packers in Super Bowl 1. And uh, Super Bowl 4, they beat the Vikings. And here they are to play play the San Francisco 49ers tomorrow. And I think it's going to be a really good game. I think that it's going to be very close. I am picking the 49ers. My score is 30 to 21 because I have scores that would uh, square that would help uh, with that. But also in the contest, it just seemed like 51 was about the right point. My friend Rick has. 51 too, which also should be the uh, kiss of death because, you know, <laughs> who knows what. Yeah. But we were talking tonight at dinner and he's, he's got that as well. Uh, he didn't have a score like I did because he didn't know what his score, squares were. But the thing is, my thought on the game, and you guys can come in and do your analysis, okay. I think the, the best offense is Kansas City. The best quarterback is Kansas City, and that's fine. The best defense is, or the better defense, we should say there's only two. Better defense is San Francisco. The better running game is San Francisco. Obviously, the better passing game is, is uh, Kansas City. The better coach, I think, is San Francisco. Now, Kyle Shanahan is a younger coach. He just came in, of course, the son of Mike Shanahan. He is... Um, Andy Reid has had, uh, you know, he's, he's getting things going a little bit in the playoffs here. Since 19, 2008, he's like 5-8 and eight in the playoffs. Actually, uh, I saw a stat this morning through the NFL, uh, Chris. Andy Reid has won 14 postseason games, and that is the most a coach has ever won without winning a Super Bowl. 
So Right, yes. and that's the thing. I mean, he got to the Super Bowl. People felt that he really messed up, especially the Eagles. I remember that game, and of course, I was Patriots uh, won it, and the Eagles were ambling down the field very slowly and took a lot of time and just didn't say, show any signs of urgency. They got in there, and then you know the Patriots were able to hang on to the ball, and that was the end of the game. They really didn't give themselves much of a chance to win. Uh, there's just been different things that have happened with Andy Reid over the years. There have been a lot of, uh, you know, he may have won 14 games, but he lost a lot of games, too. He lost he lost many championship games with the Eagles. They, about three or four years before they got to the Super Bowl in a row, they were in the championship game, and they lost it. Yeah, so, no, they, uh, the uh, the thing I read did not give his overall postseason yeah. record. It, it just indicated how many It's got to be pretty close to 500, because in since 2008, yeah. uh, I had heard that he was, like, about five, now 5-8. Five and eight. It was 3-8 and eight going into that, because they were talking about the two, two of the wins were against Bill O'Brien, who we'll talk about in a minute, uh, a few minutes, about yeah. being GM slash coach, uh, the head poobah in uh, Houston now. Yeah, and, he gets uh, to buy know, all the groceries. And Bill yep. O'Brien is not the most respected coach in the world, and he beat him twice, and I think I forget, I think he won uh, one other game, maybe against the Colts, but the point is, he's about 500 in playoff games, and in Super Bowls, of course, he's 0-1, and, and Kyle Shanahan is a young coach, maybe he isn't ready, but uh, and maybe Garoppolo. I, you know, by far, Mahomes is a much better quarterback. We, we and know Rand, remember, three years ago, Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator in Atlanta when he when they blew that twenty-eight to three lead. Well, I think this time they're going to run the ball because that's what they do. Atlanta was a different kind of team, and and I think you know you had uh, the receivers, you know Julio Jones, Matt Ryan throwing to him, and all that stuff. I think that was a, a wide open offensive uh, team. They're going to run the ball if they get ahead, and they've done it all year. If they get ahead they will run the ball and yeah. uh, so i think that i think but all in all i think in the old i wish i had all the check marks that hank stram used to have like 17 things he would check off like our 15 questions in larry and jimmy's contest we had right day. but he yeah. he would check off all these things uh, my che- my checklist with the defense with the running game with the coaching uh you know and and yes the quarterback is better and the offense is better on kansas city side of the field i got more stuff on san francisco that's why i'm picking the 49ers and by the way i have to congratulate everybody else before i stop and i'll, I'll let you guys do your thing i have to congratulate all you guys robert wasn't on here that night but uh, at least sean and and uh, perry for saying that the chiefs would be in the super bowl i had the patriots against new orleans everybody else went with the chiefs against new orleans so i give you guys yeah. credit for having the chiefs in the super bowl when we started this. And go ahead, Sean. All right, well, my whole thing is like this. Yes, San Francisco better defense. However, we've seen what Kansas City has done, and you can't necessarily look at Andy Reid his past years. you got to look at this year's team. I mean, 24 nothing against Houston. And, yes, Houston's a lot different team than San Francisco. And then they were down 10 nothing against Tennessee. And look what they've done. San Francisco, you know, I think – I mean, they were 4-12, and 12, and for them to even be there this year is a great thing. I can definitely see I, I'm going out on a limb. I think you could see a rematch next year, and you may see for the – you could very easily see for the first time two teams play in three back-to-back Super Bowls. That has never happened. Of course, you know, the two times it was the Jets and Bills – or not Jets, I mean, Cowboys and Bills. Cowboys and Bills, duh. Where did I get Jets and Bills? I'm thinking, cause I was thinking when the Bills played in the first uh, Jets played in Miami. Right. That's why that's yeah. where they are tomorrow. Yeah. That's why. Anyway. Yeah, that's what – but, I mean, you have that. So, Kansas City, you cannot – I mean, is can that defense handle Patrick Mahomes? I mean, they've – in the, in the playoffs, they've handled Aaron Rodgers, of course. You know, they, they handled Aaron Rodgers and Kirk pretty well. And Kirk, and Kirk, well, Kirk Cousins. I mean, yeah, Kirk Cousins, that's, well, <laughs> that's not much. But Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes is better than both of us. Patrick Mahomes is, I think, you, we're going to talk about him in 
future when his career is over, possibly being a top five, maybe even a top three quarterback. I, well, for, I'm going, for, Sean, for those that are picking the 49ers, look at it this way. They've dealt with Lamar Jackson. They've dealt with uh, Russell Wilson twice. Yeah. They've dealt oh, yeah, with they Aaron Rodgers twice. Uh, so they have dealt with you know, other quarterbacks that like to move around. But the problem is Patrick Mahomes is in a category all by himself. Not only can he not only can he run around and buy time, but uh, he can also be a pocket passer. He, in other words, he's the he's the 21st century quarterback. He can do both, and uh, of course, he's still young in his career. We'll find out five or ten years from now whether he's able to do the same thing. But yeah, we'll, now see, we'll see in ten years. But I also and like, but I, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I honestly no. do not think it's. I mean, I'm not going to say. I mean, and remember, you know, Chris thinks back the first 30 Super Bowls. Most of them were blowouts. I mean, yep. it's been recent that we've had that we've had close games in Super Bowls, and I think this we, can we go might down. have we might have our second overtime. That's the way I'm looking. I at think it. I think basically so. since I, the Patriots started to make the Super Bowl regularly, that's when the close ones started, and then they haven't all been close. But right. generally, they've been cro- close since the Patriots uh, made the uh, Super Bowl uh, what 35. But the thing about it is, you look to and another edge I'd give San Francisco is the conference. They had to deal with Green Bay, and they had to deal with Seattle, and they had to deal with uh, New Orleans. The East was not good in New Orleans. Very good teams, and Minnesota wasn't a bad team. They, you know, the East not so much, but they all were good teams, and they had to get through that gauntlet. The AFC wasn't as strong. Generally, if you look at it, the the team uh, the coming from the stronger conference wins. It's all up, up to matchups and everything else. But I think that shouldn't be. Uh, you know, when you have teams that are all thirteen and three, uh, three thirteen and three teams, San Francisco, yep. Green Bay, and New Orleans. That's pretty right. amazing. And the fact Kansas City wasn't probably probably the second uh, one of the weakest divisions. You know, I mean, uh, yeah, unfortunately, I, mean, I, I can vouch for that. Yep. And, well, yeah. One but thing though, Chris, be... that you left out when you did your analysis was, I think Kansas City has a little bit of an advantage in the kicking game too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So if you take that, the weather appears to be fine. Yeah. So you know that should not be a factor tomorrow. And, right. But other than that, other than the kicking game, I think your analysis is spot on. Um, the over-under that I keep hearing is 55. I would take the over on that. My score, somewhere along the lines of 30, 31 to 27, somewhere along, somewhere in there. I think what we're getting down to, though, is we all think it's going to be a really close game, and yep. you shouldn't have to worry yes. about a blowout tomorrow. The and thing, is, the the thing is, San Francisco wants, you know, you look at it, sometimes we always talk about in basketball in a college game, where this team wants it in the 60s, that team wants it in the 80s. San, if, if it's 31-27, it's apt to be that the Chiefs will win the game because they've got more ways to come back at you offensively, and if they get behind, they can come back. San Francisco's going to have more trouble from behind. Garoppolo's okay, but he's 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 yeah. not proven that he's able to put the team on his back like Mahomes has. Well, and win keep, a game. One, keep one thing in mind. Anybody rooting for Kansas City, they cannot. I repeat, they cannot do what they've done in the last two playoff games. If they fall behind to San Francisco, there's no chance that they're going to catch up. Oh, yeah, they're, be- not, getting, they're not doing a 24-point turnaround in three minutes. No. Against- because, Even 10 will be tough. 10 will be tough. The, the 49ers will keep the ball out of your hand because that, that's going to be their big strategy. They're going to keep the ball on the ground and run time off the clock. That way Mahomes is not on the field very much. And they got much and better running backs. Starts- when you when you think of Coleman and, and uh, Moster and the other guy, what, who's uh, uh, Matt Breida? 
Brita. Yeah, Brita. They're all good. They're all good running backs. And you know, you got three guys. Who who the heck even is Williams on Kansas City? There's really not that much. You know, you really have a stable in San Francisco, and you can wear the the Chiefs defense down. And I and again, I think so. What what I heard this analysis as is modern football versus the nerds. The nerds pick San Francisco because they can run the football. They got the better defense, and you know, the, maybe the better coaching. And then you go with with Kansas City, the flashy offense. Uh, and you know, and and again, just just the trendy pick, and they've been the favorite. And I'm I'm amazed they actually stayed the favorite because I thought it would be San Francisco, and I thought the West Coast money would knock. It's been bouncing between one and one and a half, I guess. Yeah, but, it stayed that way for two weeks. Yeah, but yeah, I, I guess though, I guess so. Speaking of wagers, are are we it, those who follow baseball? You know, there's a mattress place in Houston. That does Astros, the uh, yeah, gallery furniture that they give gallery, away, mattress. you know, this or that if the Astros win. Well, apparently the owner of that has placed a million dollar bet on the Super Bowl. <laughs> yes. Jim McElwain, who is no, he's known as Mattress Mac, is what they call on his commercial gallery furniture in Houston. They've been around forever. I mean, he's the guy that opened up his warehouse to the Hurricane Harvey uh, victims and said, "Come on in, stay here." He's done a lot in the city, but yeah, he put that million dollar, million dollar bet down on there. So yeah, yeah. I just thought of a promotion, and he would never do this. I think he should get some old signs and leave them out in front of his store and let people steal them. I think that would be really good. (laughs) Yeah, that would be a good. Yeah, that would be a good. But he, but yeah, he did that also. This this will be the first Super Bowl since Baltimore, San Francisco, that you have you'll have a quarterback win a Super Bowl for the first time. I mean, it doesn't happen. Yep. You know, usually it seems like in most Super Bowls, it's well, Nick been, Foles won a Super Bowl for the first time. Yeah. Well, no, no. What I'm saying is both. Both quarterbacks. Oh, both coming uh, in. Yeah. Oh, oh, new, yeah, both new quarterbacks into the game to the will be Bowl. winning for yeah. the first time. Usually, there's at least one quarterback okay. coming in that'll have an opportunity to win a Super Bowl for the first time. There, I mean, most Super Bowls have been that way, but so rookie Super Bowl quarterback is what you're saying. Rookie yeah, that's Super right. They're, because yeah, they're Mahomes yeah, right. right. and Garoppolo are rookie uh, Super Bowl. I mean, yeah, Garoppolo, I think, was on a Patriots team when yeah. they went. He's got a ring. He's got a ring from the the Super Bowl in what seven? The one when they beat uh, Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, as a starter, got neither quarterback is one, so this will so you'll have so either way it'll be a rare time where you where you'll de- you're definitely guaranteed a rookie Super Bowl winner. Right. You know. Okay. I just I hand. just wish though, Chris, speaking of, of Super Bowl winners, I mm-hmm. just wish that Tom Brady would have waited until the next one to win his first Super Bowl, you know, back when he beat the Rams. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Bill, did now, you have Hold on, Bill, do you have any thoughts? Do you have any thoughts, Bill, on this? Oh, I'm kind of like you guys. I'm kind of, my feelings is Kansas City. I I just kind of think Kansas City is going to win, and that that will mean that San Francisco will win by two touchdowns. Well, Bill, I'm going to be rooting for Kansas City because I want to see a 50-year drought end. And besides, if San Francisco wins, the all-time records will be tied. The 49ers, Patriots, and Steelers will have won six Super Bowls each. Yeah, and the Raiders, Raiders, we're going to come in. We're going to come in again. We're going to do what we did uh, next week, and I forgot. I hadn't even thought about this. Next week, we're going to do the Super Bowl standings again. Remember, we we have the thing since the Super yeah. Bowl started, where my friend Rick came up with three win, three points for a win and one point for uh, an appearance, and right. we're going to go in and uh, you know see where San Francisco uh, will be at that point because if they if they win that Super Bowl, they'll move up. I think 
think the Patriots will still be leading, but San Francisco will be a lot closer, so that's right. Um, so I'm, I'm picking San Francisco. Bill is picking Kansas City. What do you guys, I don't think you guys have clearly stated your I, I, I will pick I will pick Kansas, Kansas City, and, and like I said, it's a, it's about 31 to 27. I, there's where right. I pick the Chiefs. You're going with Kansas City. How about you, Sean? Uh, Kansas City, I had them at the beginning of the year. I'm sticking with them. Right. They're still okay, here. well, you said they'd make and, it. I didn't know if you'd yeah, get off the bandwagon. And, 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 well, I, I had New Orleans make, winning, but, I'm, you know, they made it. They were the team, that, so I'm going with them. To, I picked okay. them in the contest. So. Right. And okay. even though I'm not in the contest, I'm also taking the Chiefs. I'll say uh, 34-31 Kansas City. Okay, well, that's the kind of game Kansas City wants to play. Yep. And my, my thing yep. is, I said 30-21, and my, my thing is that it's going to be like 23-21 San Francisco drive it down their throats at the end of the game and uh, keep the ball away from them and win it that way and score a touchdown. And, so there's, no, and there's no bad announcers in this game either. No, normally, no. normally you say, well, gosh, you know, this guy would listen to this guy, but not that guy. Right. Both are good in this case. No, I've, no got a, I've, I've got the ideal setup. If, if everybody streams the way they normally have been, I should have um, Greg Papa and, uh, uh, over on uh, Miss A, and I should have uh, Mitch Holtis and uh, those guys over on the stream, so I should be able to listen to them within a few seconds of each other and you know, do it, and it's great if you if you listen and you hear. The good thing is, like, Mitch Holtus would be ahead on the call, and then I should hear the whole play if it worked the way it did before with Greg Papa. So you get to hear the play two ways, and, and, and then for what, for those that have to be stuck with Westwood One, you have Kevin Harlan and Kurt Warner, and right. then for those on TV, you'll have Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. So hey, that's right. Now here, our friends in Australia, those poor people on TV. I think I mentioned this on the show a while back. I can't remember if I mentioned it here or in a group. You know who they have different announcers that do it for different uh, countries. Right. Yeah. Our friends in Australia on TV, that'll be in the middle of the day Monday over there. They get Joe Tessitore and Booger McFarland. Oh, my oh, God. We, we actually are trying to convince them that they're, we're their friends and we're sending them that? Uh, yes, no, I know. I, it's, yes. I, I wonder what the U.K. gets, you know? I don't know who they get, but it's interesting. I've heard the U.K. version of the Super Bowl before. You know, yeah. they picked them up, and it, it's kind of interesting. What, now, the interesting, I, and, you know, Perry and I have this quest for, like, the last five years, and we haven't been able to figure out how this works. There, there are the languages, but we never can find out where they are or where you can get them on XM. And they, they seem to they only be to, on the radio, they right? It, they used, they used to, to put it out, but they don't anymore. No, you they know, haven't though, put it on the, on the thing for years, yeah. you know? Uh, and, it's, but you, it's, could, you could dial around and you could go up and down on the NFL channels on, on XM, like 225, 226, and then go up beyond that and you'd get the, the uh, Czech, Czech broadcast. or the And the yeah. British broadcast always sounds like a soccer game. It's amazing. It does. These British yeah. people, it just sounds like a soccer game. It doesn't sound yeah. like a football game at all. You, you know, though, Chris, I, I had a friend, I still do, and she's still my friend. But anyway, yeah. good. she said uh, that I think it was the Patriots-Falcons Super Bowl. Right. She said she listened to the whole thing in Spanish because she speaks fluent Spanish. And she All listened right. to the whole darn thing in Spanish. Okay. I said, you know, I, I said, if I were to listen to that in Spanish, I said, I'd be completely lost. Yep. You know, I'll tell you about what? technology. I got to tell you this about the Patriots Atlanta. During that, at the end of the game, when uh, James White ran it in at the end of the game and they won the game, Scott Zolek was all over the call of, of Bob Sosie. If you listen to it live, you could hardly hear Bob Sosie. Scott Zolek's gone crazy as he always does. They you know, whited him out or whatever you want to say they did. They took him out and the call that you hear is sanitized. There's no Scott Zolak in it. It's amazing what they can do with technology now. Right. I don't know how they did it, but they did it. 
And one thing they uh, one thing they did a couple of years ago, speaking of that game, our, one of our local stations here, the Horn, they do a thing called the Audio of the Week, where they play audio clips, and then the Dave South Homer call of the right. Week. And they played the Korean call. <laughs> that was, I mean, you you know what was happening, but that was kind of interesting hearing the Korean announcers do it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, so we should cover some other football things. So it'll be, yeah. of course, next week we'll we'll give a recap of the Super Bowl, and uh, you know, some of us may have a couple. Of beers. We'll see what we can remember of it. Okay, so yeah. <laughs> we'll do the best we can. So Bill O'Brien became the head honcho, or, or official, he already was, yes. the head honcho of the Houston Texans. Now, who was the guy, and I, I keep asking you this name, and I forget, who was the guy that supposedly was coming in from the Patriots to do this job? Uh, Nick Casterio. Nick Casterio, yeah. Nick Casterio was coming in, but Bill O'Brien, Bill O'Brien, he was made the GM. Uh, a lot of this is what they're saying, because, you know, Bob McNair died, and Cal McNair, who nobody ever sees Cal. Cal doesn't show up at much. He's very non, non-vocal. non It's just kind of like, okay, I probably, you know, got got the him and his sister. They just got it from their dad. So is, they're just like, oh, we don't want to shake everything up. Bill O'Brien, and they've had running jokes here in, around, on one of our local stations, you know, texters were calling in. Uh, mm-hmm. Bill O'Brien now just went along with Houston Police Chief Art Acevedo on a, on a ride along and just made 25 arrests. Bill, o- Bill O'Brien is now going to uh, solve the Houston Astros science dealing problem. All <laughs> kinds of have fun because they're like, Bill O'Brien's doing everything in Houston. He, he solved Houston's homeless problem. I mean, they've had all, yeah. you know, because Bill O'Brien, not very I mean, fans, even though they got a little farther in the playoffs, are still not happy with Bill O'Brien as a coach. Right. And as a GM, it's even worse. Like you said, like, you know, you've said this with Belichick. Sometimes Belichick, the GM, gets in the way of Belichick coach. Now, right. remember, and, remember, at the beginning of the season, folks, uh, Houston and Miami made that big trade to get Kenny Steeles and that uh, uh, Tunsil to tackle. Yeah. And uh, in that in that transaction, Houston gave Miami a whole bunch of draft picks for the next couple of drafts. I, so I've heard, I, I heard this. I've heard this. This is kind of interesting. There, there's for the next five years or so, no team in Houston. I mean, it's going to be like four or five years before any of the Houston pro teams has a first round draft pick. Exactly. Wow. So uh, taken away from the Astros, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how effective, even if they did bring in an experienced general manager. I don't know how effective that person would be trying to, uh, you know, rebuild the Texans or add to them because most of the draft capital that the Texans had all went to the Miami Dolphins. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, yeah. so then we move into college. Again, we're doing college and pro uh, football and basketball together tonight, just the way it kind of works out. And for LSU, we had a, 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 a Pierre Brooks' story for us. LSU, Bo Pelini is now the defensive coordinator. Uh, he's replacing yeah. Dave Aranda there, who went on to, where did he go? Uh, was it Baylor? Baylor. Baylor. Yeah. He's, a, he's the head coach of Baylor, and he's getting his staff together. But, yeah, Bo Pelini is the new defensive coordinator. Of course, right. From he was Nebraska. the defensive coordinator and in uh, when they won it in 2003, when LSU won it. And yeah. also, uh, one more thing before we get to a couple of deaths in uh, pro football. Uh, why don't you talk a little bit about Michael Vick there, Sean? Because you watched the Michael Vick. Uh, 30 well, before for 30. Michael, okay, a couple things on before we get to the Michael Vick thing. Also, remember, this Wednesday, this Wednesday is the late national signing day in college football. So now remember they have that new signing day, the point where they can sign before Christmas. But for those that haven't made their decision, they can sign after this Wednesday. Also, 
We've got to talk about this Grand Valley State situation. <laughs> this coach, this was kind of an odd story. Oh, yeah. But guy was hired as he, the Grand Valley State, we found out is in Michigan, and I wish I yeah. had the name in front of me. I, I wrote the story, but, I didn't have, but he, was, he was hired about two weeks ago as the uh, offensive coordinator, Grand Valley State University in Michigan. Then he, uh, he was interviewed by the student newspaper, and it's one of those, you probably don't say what you're thinking, even if you're thinking it. They asked him who his three, if he could have lunch, dinner with three leaders, who would they be? And one of his leaders was Adolf Hitler. He said, "Oh my God!" Well, you know, he he made bad, he he made bad. And, and Mussolini but, was another one. Yeah, Mussolini, Charles Manson was, but David Koresh, they were all. But yeah, he, oh my yeah, God. They were all, but he he said Hitler, and so and they published it. They did not say who his other two leaders were, but they published it. He was suspended, and I believe he's since been fired. Wow. Uh, yes, he was fi- yes, he was yeah, fired he has, yesterday. He, he was since, fired yesterday. Was, yeah, he was okay. fired yesterday. That's right. Uh, but he, he put this, so it's like, yeah, I know what you're maybe trying to say because he could have used that leadership for good instead of evil, but you don't say that to your new, especially when you're trying to get the people that know you and say, oh, I like Adolf Hitler. Yeah, I mean, and yeah. Grand Valley State, I don't know. I'm sure they have a pretty good Jewish population. Uh, look, in, so, in, the 20, yeah. in the 21st century, when you're, when you're being interviewed, especially if it's going to be published, you've got to be yeah. very careful about what you say because you could very easily offend someone. I mean, with all and, the political correctness we've got going on, you, you have to be very extremely careful. You know? yeah. And now let's talk about the Michael Vick situation. The Michael Vick is called uh, Michael Vick, The Rise and Fall of Michael Vick. Part 1 aired this past Thursday, 9 p.m. Eastern. Part 2 airs this Thursday. It's a 30 for 30, 9 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. And I'm going to tell you, they do it right. And some of this... It kind of, they didn't get into the dog situation yet. They mentioned a little bit. They didn't. Hopefully, they won't just start talking about. It. Hopefully, they'll give what was going on. His mom dropped a couple of hints about. Well, I noticed stuff was going on, you know. But hopefully, they'll get to that. But they started out with him going through high school and then going to Virginia Tech. You know, he and he almost quit, and then they just pushed him. He said, "Man, it's hard," and then he decided to stick because he he went Virginia Tech over Syracuse. He really didn't like all the work, but they pushed him. They showed the Orange Bowl win, you know, his run against Temple that he did, and then then went all all through Virginia Tech. Then they went on into his career getting, you know, he thought he was going to San Diego. He thought he was going to San Diego, and then, of course, the Atlanta Falcons traded for him, and Dan Reeves was the coach. Dan Reeves talked about how he noticed Michael Vick was having all these hangers on around him, just what, like, hey, and so he was like, hey, uh, how's your mom? How's this? Dan Reeves would just check on him. He said, I do phone calls and say, well, who are you hanging out with? Who are you? Because Michael Vick is one of those that a lot of athletes get into this. They get money, and and it's you know it's not a race. It's just a lot of athletes, uh, all races do this. They they pay their hangers on. They get them. Uh, yeah, you know, they get them into. Hey, I'll I'll give him this. I'll give him that. So he had a lot of. And he said their um, neighborhood you know, kids. You know, their buddies from he, from when they grew up or whatever. Yeah, yeah, he was from he was from the hood in Newport News, Virginia. He was from a not very good neighborhood over there in Newport News, Virginia. So Mike, he, Dan Reeves talked. He was watching him, and Mike Vick even said Coach Reeves was watching out for me. But you know, I'm I was a cocky kid from the hood. I knew what I was doing. And then of course they went through him breaking his leg in preseason because Dan Reeves. Uh, Put him in, so Arthur Blank, who had just become new owner of the Falcons, fired him. They showed you know, his ups, downs. Then they ended it 
in the 2006 season, they had him where he was flipping off the fans and, you know, like taking off. He wouldn't be there on Monday for reviews, you know, Tuesday's day off. He'd fly back home to Virginia. Something was going on, but he'd always fly back after the game and then come back. And they even had the backup quarterback that said he idolized Michael Vick. And he said, wait, are there certain rules for him and certain rules for us? And they ended it right at the end of the season. So they're getting ready for the draft. And then when he lied to Goodell, and all that. And then next week, I believe they're going to go through that part and then the, the comeback and all that. But I do recommend you catch it. And then, you know, if you can find the first part, watch it and then watch the second part this Thursday. But yeah, like I said, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on ESPN. Well, look uh, on ESPN the, Classic for the first part. They may show it. Uh, not yet. Not, okay. not yet. They'll, okay. They wait a while before they put it up. It'll be, they'll rerun it on ESPN or ESPN2 for about a week or two, for a couple weeks oh. before they put it on there. But, okay. uh, yeah, it'll be this Thursday, the sixth. Uh, so you want to check that out? But no, I I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. It was, and my wife even okay. sat and watched it with me. So we have a couple of deaths be- to report. Before we do though, before we do the deaths, Chris, we're well past top of the hour. Let's take our break, and then okay. we'll come back and do the deaths. And no, they, yeah, yeah, guys, stay tuned for those deaths, folks. Yes, yeah, and we, yeah, we got to do the Hall of Fame also. So. Well, we got that too. Yeah. Yeah. Keyboard Cat, Hamilton the Pug, and Toast Meets World. These are some of the Internet's most beloved pets. And they all have one thing in common. Their stories started in a shelter. Start your story. Adopt a dog or cat today. Visit theshelterpetproject.org to find a pet near you. Training that pet to play the keyboard, that's optional. Start a story. Adopt a shelter or rescue pet today. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Okay, what are you wearing right now? Nothing. That's right. So mommy's going to teach you how to dress yourself. Underwear always comes first. Name tag at the back, then pants, then shirt. Get the first button in the right hole or you have to start all over. Socks going first, then shoes right on right, left on left. With shoelaces, just take the ends, cross them over, switch the loops. The rabbit goes down the hole, pull tight, and left with bunny ears. Got it? Why are your pants on your head? Most parenting is hard to do in just two minutes. Two minutes twice a day making sure they brush their teeth is easier, and it could help save them from a lifetime of tooth pain. Visit 2min2x.org to find out more. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Mouths, Healthy Lives, and the Ag Council. How's it going? I'm having a stroke. Are you going to shake my hand? I'm having a stroke. Wow, you're not even moving your arm. I'm having a stroke. When someone is having a stroke, they may not be able to say it with words, but their body language will tell you loud and clear. Look for FAST. F, face drooping. A, arm weakness. S, speech difficulty. T, time to call 911 immediately. Know the sudden signs. Spot a stroke fast. Visit strokeassociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. The storks are bringing me a baby brother. We can do this. Let's go. Storks know how to keep kids safe. Do you? What? Oh, my gosh. You don't know. <gasps> I know. You don't. <laughs> oh, man. You laugh when you're uncomfortable. <laughs> no. Making sure your child is in the right car seat is one of the steps to safer travel. I will rock this. You will rock this. To know for sure that your child is in the right car seat for their age and size, visit safercar.gov slash the right seat. Cool, cool, cool. Very cool. Very cool. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. All right, we are back, um, but just wanted to point out real quick, we won't go through all the listeners per se tonight, but Germany seems to lead the way tonight. I think there's a lot of all right. uh, people. Well, again, they've got the, you know, it's, they're, they're in the um, 
either doing their schnapps or they've got their uh, the beer hall and they've got it going Don't in the beer shit. hall. And that's good. Don Cushane, yes. Don Cushane, y'all. Don Cushane, Okay. And a first-time yeah, yeah, yeah. listener Cushane, from... y'all. You don't hear that often. Okay. Yeah, there you go. And a uh, listener right. from New York City. This is the first time I've ever seen New oh, York, well, New York. Welcome, welcome oh, welcome, welcome to New York City. Yeah. And, good uh, good uh, to be big in New York City. All right. And let's say hello so, to Paige we, in Southern California, too. So uh-huh. Okay. All right. So we have a couple of deaths, and one is a Hall of Famer right off the bat. And then we can, after the deaths, we can talk about the Hall of Famers, and we'll finish up our football. Football, of course, on the football, uh, Super Bowl Eve is going to take more time. So we have Chris Dolman. Uh, he went to Pitt, uh, and then it was Minnesota Vikings. So he, uh, he was died at 58 years old. Pitt from 81 through 84. Uh, he had uh, 25 sacks at Pitt, and he was third all-time when he left. He's still sixth in uh, Pitt and all. And then he went to Minnesota. He was the fourth pick in uh, the 85 draft, went to the Vikings from 85 through 93, then to Atlanta in 94 and 95. San Francisco in 96 and 97, back to the Vikings in 90, or 96 and 98, I should say, back to the Vikings in 99. He had eight interceptions in his career and two touchdowns on those, Uh, 24 fumble uh, uh, recoveries and uh, one touchdown on that. He had 150.5 sacks. That's a lot of sacks. Yeah, no, he was was a very good pass rusher, and unfortunately he died of brain cancer. Yes, and he had eight pro, he was in eight pro bowls. Uh, and uh, he led the league in sacks for in '89, and uh, Hall of Fame uh, inductee in 2012. And then we move on to a guy I remember very well, Larry Eisenhower, who uh, was original. Well, not original Patriot. He came to the Patriots in uh, from '61 through '69, and he was one of the Patriots. What they did, and I don't know if other teams did this so much. Billy Sullivan was a BC guy. He owned the Patriots. Mike Holovac was the coach of the Patriots uh, for most of the time. And he was a BC coach too, and so they brought in a lot of BC folks. Uh, I can think of six or eight in the early years that were uh, BC folks. Larry Eisenhower is one of them. Decent defensive end. Uh, he uh, died at 79. He was uh, at, with the Patriots from 61 through 69. He had uh, one interception. Uh, you know, he wasn't a big interception. And one fumble recovery, and uh, he was a four-time AFL All-Star. Uh, the AFL was known for its uh, offense. I can remember a 43-43 tie with the Raiders one time and all kinds of stuff. But Bob D., uh, uh, Jim Hunt, Houston Antoine, and Larry Eisenhower made up, and and San Diego did the same thing with Faison and Ernie Ladd. They had pass rushes, and that was kind of the key. And uh, if you had a pass rush, uh, uh, the the Patriots were a little weak in the defensive backfield. They had Nick Bonacani in the middle linebacker. So for an AFL team, they had a pretty good defense. And, uh, you know, they, they could uh, shut teams down a little bit, be, but the league was so wide open. It was crazy. And that was back when uh, Ben Davidson played for the Raiders, and he was yep. their designated pass rusher. That's first, right. So, that's yeah. right. So, yeah. and uh, so he, uh, he was also, for one brief year, he had a broadcasting career, BC color analyst in 1980 on the radio with Dave Shea. And uh, he... Uh, and, and as I say, Mike Holovac was his coach uh, there. And we later went on to be with the Houston uh, Oilers for a long time in their front office. So uh, so I think that uh, takes care of our football, unless we have any uh, calls. Well, the or Hall, of Fame. We to. You, Hall of Fame. Do you not go, have go any Go through hands. the Hall of Famers, guys. Uh, well, um, t- today we, we had um, uh, Troy Polamalu, Steve Atwater, Jaron James, uh, Edgerin, 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 Edgerin James. James. Yeah, Edgerin James, uh, Steve Hutchinson, 
And am I missing anybody? Isaac, Isaac Bruce. Isaac Bruce. Isaac there Bruce. Bruce. Yes. yes, you got to say now, Bruce. Now, we're that. missing, uh, unfortunately, we're missing the 10 that were put out on January 15th. So hopefully we can find that one of these and days when we can and give that all Bill to Bill Jimmy Johnson, they got in on uh, championship yep. weekend. So, right. Right. Well, uh, play, division weekend. Division. Yeah. So. Okay. So normally we don't do the number two sport of being NASCAR, but we have well, Hall of Famers. That, that, you just want to remind everybody, hey, if nothing else, next week, hey, the XFL starts. So, hey, oh, yeah. we want to watch a little bit of football. And I think, and just briefly talking about it, remember you had the other league that started last year, but, of course, they threw themselves together after the XFL announced they were starting this year. They have the money. It's going to be on Fox, ABC, ESPN, and Fox Sports 1 teams in Tampa, D.C., St. Louis, Washington, uh, New York, Houston, Dallas, Seattle, and L.A. So uh, you'll see some football. They're doing they're doing something. Instead of an onside kick, they're going to try a fourth and 15 type play where you can do that instead of an onside kick. I don't know. If it's where do you the get the ball for the fourth and 15? By the way, I I, I, don't know. I don't know on that. I'm not quite sure. We're, we're going to have we're going to have to watch some games. And yeah, yeah. All one and just see. But like I said, it'll if you want a little bit of football and just want to see something, hey, you know, it's something to throw on. I mean, will it make it? I don't think it will fold in mid year. It will not fold in mid year because Vince McMahon has the money and he actually has football people running it this time instead of uh, like the last time when he made it basically another WWE he had Oliver Luck running it and Bob Stoops is the head coach June Jones is the head coach uh, and the other, but yeah that's some other football but now let's get to NASCAR because NASCAR all the all of, come out. All of Famers so you I've got them listed here you got them too so go ahead Sean all right. First of all, Tully Stewart, which that's no surprise. Uh, first now in Hall of Famer, he got in. Now, when did he also, retire? What kind of a, a rule do they have there for how long you have to be out before you? I, uh, think, he, uh, I think it was only a couple of years ago. The yeah, player, so only thinking. like a year or two. Yeah. Okay. You, you have to be out at least one year, and then like the season between when you get in. And I think it's a season. Bobby Labonte also got in him and Terry, of course, the first brothers in the Hall of Fame. And apparently he wore Terry's tie as an, and for his acceptance, acceptance speech. He wore the same tie that Terry wore when he got in. So they're the only brothers in the NASCAR Hall of Fame. And by the way, this is not just NASCAR Cup. This is all of NASCAR. Now, that's not the other stuff, not IMSA, IndyCar. This is just NASCAR. Yeah. It's, in, it's in Daytona. Joe Gibbs. Joe Gibbs Racing, Coach Joe Gibbs. I believe he's the only man in the NFL Hall of Fame and the NASCAR Hall of Fame. That right. is correct. I'm he's sure, in, so far. At least. Yeah, well, yeah. He, and probably for a while we'll be. Because you've had a number. I mean, you've had a number of guys get in, get into NASCAR for football. But, I mean, Joe Gibbs was that successful in both. You know, and mm-hmm. you don't see many, I mean, as a coach and then as an owner, Joe Gibbs Racing, he's still, it's still out there. Uh, Buddy Baker, he was around in the 70s and 80s. He uh, set the single lap speed record at Daytona in 1980, 177 miles an hour. And a crew chief, Waddell Wilson, he was a crew chief back in the 70s and 80s for Daryl Waltrip, Bill Elliott, Buddy Baker, a lot of those guys. And also about Buddy Baker, he... Buddy Baker was a broadcaster back when CBS, and he was one of the TNN broadcasters. Remember when the Nashville Network started and they had NASCAR in the 80s, and they and he was a broadcaster on there because they would share it. CBS would get the big races, and then they would have the others. So, but well, as a matter of fact, day, Buddy Baker still does a talk show on NASCAR radio on Sirius yeah, XM. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. I was about to mention that also, but that's your Hall of Famers for that because you'll start next week qualifying for Daytona. We'll have Pierre, I'm sure, uh, putting it in because Daytona is on the 16th. Uh, 16th? 16th, 16th this year. 
Yeah, yep, President's Day before President's Day. Yep. Okay, yes, and we had one death in NASCAR circles, and it was John Andretti. He died at 56 years old. Didn't get a cause of death. Did anybody uh, hear uh, about it was that? Colon, it was colon cancer. Ah, okay. He was the nephew of Mario Andretti, who, of course, you hear about all the time. You still hear him on, on our ads over here uh, for about, uh, let's do lunch, you know, those ads yeah, that we get. That's right. And, uh, the so cousin he, of Michael. Yeah, he went. Yeah, he won. Uh, Mario, of course, won the Indy 500. And uh, cousin of Michael, as you say, won the Indy 500 in '69. Uh, and so uh, for cup races, uh, he was in uh, from John. We're back to John now uh, in in races, a long career. And again, this is one of those things where sometimes it's the family name keeps you sponsored and so forth because his career wasn't very stellar. No. He uh, was there from '93 through 2010, 393 races. So he he came to the post, but he got two wins. Yeah, 37 top 10s, four poles, uh, 30, 37 infinity uh, races. Xfinity. Xfinity, Xfinity yeah. races, okay. And four top 10 in that. Uh, in the Indy uh, car field, uh, so he was a busy guy doing both circuits, 83 yeah. races, and he had one win there. Uh, the Indy, uh, he was 98 to 04, they said. Uh, okay. and, then, yeah. and then back again, 06, 07 to 11. Uh, the Daytona. He was in it from 94 through 2010. He, his best was in 04, 13th finish, and his fifth in 91 for the Indy 500. So uh, okay. that was it for John Andretti. And, and he I was believe, one of the guys. And I believe he was Bill one of the guys. That, uh, yeah, he was. He was one of the guys who actually did the uh, back and forth, and where he do the Coca-Cola 600 and oh, yeah. the Indy in the same day. He was one of the. There was about seven or eight different people that did that, and he was. He did it once, I believe. Okay. Yeah. And I believe Bill has a feature for us for John and Freddie. I most certainly do. Right now. All right. If you were looking for John Andretti, the best place to find him was at a racetrack. He started karting at the age of nine and in a sprint car by the time he was 20. Are you going to use this as kind of a stepping stone toward bigger things in racing, uh, maybe like Mike and Mario up in the Indy cars, or do you want to go any farther in racing? Oh, sure. I want to go hopefully all the way to the top. By the age of 25, with his father Aldo at his side, he was there. And the Gold Coast IndyCar Grand Prix goes to John Andretti. His cart win came at Surfer's Paradise in 1991. And at Indy, he ultimately ran in 12 Indy 500s, including races in 1991 and 92, where he ran against Mario and cousins Michael and Jeff. I think we're always fighting to be better than the next one in the family, and, and that, that's something that keeps us all... Um, honest, as we say, where you just want to be better and better. After doing double duty in 1994, racing in Indy and then Charlotte the same day, he may have ultimately found his most success in NASCAR, beating the likes of Dale Earnhardt and Jeff Gordon to win for the legendary Cale Yarborough at Daytona in 1997. I'd like to thank RCA, you know, Goodyear Ford, and all the people that have been involved. I mean, Cale Yarborough, you know, put a lot of faith in me. Two years later, he won it for the great Richard Petty at Martinsville. I told them boys, I said, you know, we need to make a habit out of this. But eventually, races became few and far between. He began to do a variety of appearances, including as an analyst for Trackside 6. You've been a great to us the entire weekend. He also began something called the Race for Riley. Visits to Riley Hospital for Children meant so much, touched by the power of perseverance, followed by karting events, which raised big bucks over the many years. This thing's getting bigger and bigger every year. I would imagine in a couple of years we'll have it at the Speedway. Is that right? Well, you know, the Speedway wanted us to come, but, you know, we, um, not really. I mean, 
But then came the devastating news in January of 2017. Stage 4 colon cancer. He said he never got checked, never had a colonoscopy, and all he could think about was his wife Nancy, daughters Olivia and Amelia, and son Jared. Is this more difficult to watch in your family than it is for you to deal with this? It's way harder yeah. to watch because it's unfair to them. I've said it several times. It's unfair to them that I'm even in this condition um, because this could have been prevented. Now, for me to go through it, um, it's my own fault because I didn't get I didn't get screened soon enough. Do you blame yourself? I, I mean, do. You sit up I at do. Night? I mean, I do because I, you know, I mean, I don't know why, but I do. Just last year, John wrapping up his 23rd race for Riley and checks totaling around $550,000, all despite a number of clinical trials to battle his cancer. You know, you just got to keep going. You know, the more you push. And even if it's hard to push, you gotta just do it because it takes your mind off it. Like today, you know, I'm having a great day. John Andretti had plenty of great days. Battling on and off the track, without question, the spirit of an Andretti, every step of the way. You can sit and mope and do all the things you wanna do um, that you think that you would expect to do. I, none of that's happened to me. I mean, a lot of it's because of my family around me. They just. You know, if you do, you're, you're losing, and nobody in this family wants to lose. <laughs> I think it's his off-track prowess that uh, maybe stands out to me. I mean... Oh, yeah. I can see where he would have been a good analyst. He sounded like a very articulate he guy. Did, he was. Yes. He did a lot for the community, so... You know, he kind of lived on that way. And uh, was he? Uh, in, I imagine a lot of the racers live uh, in around Indianapolis. Is he uh, actually in that he, area? He did, but for the last two years, I don't know, maybe for medical reasons, he lived in North Carolina. Otherwise, he went to school in Indianapolis and stayed here in Indianapolis, except for you know when he was diagnosed and maybe it was for medical right. reasons i don't know i, th I think he um I, I know a lot of the nascar people chris live around the charlotte area that too maybe, yeah. yeah and maybe and maybe there's a hospital there that specialized in oh, i'm sure there is yeah so yeah. and yeah but definitely he'll be missed i mean they, yep. they talked about him on one of our on our local nascar shows so they did okay. a whole feature on all 20 minutes but yeah uh, okay, so we, we can move basketball. on to basketball. Oh, yes, to, we got let's get to college. Let's get to college first because that way we can okay. go into the NBA and into Kobe right. and our yeah, future. Kobe Bryant thing. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, college, college has been nuts today. Today especially, and right now I don't have Kentucky Auburn that final. It was going on when we started, but Kentucky was up right, by th Kentucky was up by three. Sean late in the game, uh, the last okay. I saw. But if you were a Big East team and you were ranked today. <laughs> you you went down. I mean, Seton Hall went down to Xavier. Uh, Villanova went down to Creighton, and I think Butler Providence. That was uh, yeah, did that, Providence beat Butler. Okay. Yeah, I believe right. they did beat them. They beat them. Uh, Texas Tech, Kansas was a huge battle. Uh, I believe uh, Wisconsin, Michigan State. I think uh, you know Wisconsin took out. I believe they beat Michigan State. I don't remember. I didn't watch any of that game. I was I was watching. Uh, another the Texas game, so I miss it. But but I'll say Texas Tech Kansas. I mean, you're see Gonzaga held off San Francisco the Dons by four points, and they were down to where it was one point. In San Francisco, I believe, 
I don't think I, I think they're a 500 team. I mean, because Gonzaga and St. Mary's are the only two teams coming out of that conference. But Gonzaga, yeah. the number two team, almost lost. Baylor held on to beat TCU, of course, so they're going to stay number one uh, in their in their matchup. But I mean, you had a lot of. You know, a lot of us, especially, like I said, especially in the Big East, we're getting down to where you're going to, you know, they're getting into the second half of conference play. Yep. You're start, you're starting to see prognostications. You can see something that has never happened before, where three teams from the non-power five slash Big East. I always throw Big East because the non-power yeah. five uh, that you could be a one or a two seed. Now those teams are in conferences, which are that next year because San Diego State. I mean, they're still undefeated. Dayton, you know, from the Mountain West. Dayton from the Atlantic 10. Of course, Gonzaga, their conference is not great, but them and St. Mary's are always pretty well, you know, pretty good. But you have, because, like, you have that next group of conferences after those big six. You have the the America, which is, you know, is almost on par with, say, some uh, of I can I can remember schools. in the 70s and 80s when San Francisco was one of the power schools. And yeah, that was Bill Cartwright, I believe. Yeah, wasn't it? yeah. that's right. Oh, hey, that's Bill Russell in the 50s, you know, they won two yeah. titles uh, with Bill Russell. Um, they, the other had, one that usually is in contention anyway, to be in the top uh, group is the H10, uh, but they're kind of down this year, people are saying. Well, H, HN, is da- HN is down. HN is down. Mountain West is a little down. The America, the America, that is up. Cincinnati, yeah. Houston, Memphis. Memphis, Temple, Wichita, Wichita State, yep. Wichita mm-hmm. State, SMU State. I mean, they could get, they could very easily get five teams in out of the four to five teams possibly out of the A10, and part of that is because the Mountain West. I mean, Utah State, Nevada could challenge uh, the. They could challenge San Diego State. Gonzaga, St. Mary's are both going to get in, but you know, out of theirs. But the A10, Dayton's in. They're saying maybe a Rhode Island or a VCU. I don't yeah, know, Rhode Island's one of those. pretty good. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Rhode Island is. A, they're a, Rhode Island's a bubble team, and of course, your Power Five. You know, you're going to get. Uh, you got your teams: the Big Twelve, West Virginia, Baylor, Kansas, Texas Tech. Those four definitely. Then you got your middle of the pack teams, and then you have your your Kansas State down there. Uh, out out west, Colorado. Colorado's a team that's really coming out of nowhere, man. You don't think of Colorado in basketball. They're they're kind of a surprise team out west. The Big Ten, uh, Michigan State, but of course with Wisconsin. I mean, Indiana might sneak. Indiana because uh, Maryland, Illinois, Maryland, Iowa. I mean, well, Maryland, Illinois, beat, Iowa. Uh, Maryland beat Iowa the other night, right, Perry? They did, yes. yes. They did. And, yeah. uh, and Kentucky just did lose to Auburn. Auburn 75, Kentucky 66. Oh, Auburn Whoa. held on. Oh, they away. And, then, and then, of course, the, the ACC, I mean, you got some teams that, you know, I mean, Florida State. Yeah, oh, yeah. You know, Florida, Florida State, State and Duke. Yep. Duke. Uh, Duke, Louisville. Uh, yep. Virginia's, Virginia could, as we stated, Virginia could be one of the first, could be the first team to win a championship and not make tournament the next year. And, yeah, and Syracuse, and, Syracuse is having a decent year now. They, they got won, them in their and right you won't direction. see North Carolina this year. No, oh, no, no, North Carolina will not no. be in there this year. But I mean, you have all those SEC, of course. Like I said, you got your Auburn, Alabama, LSU, LSU doing good. Kentucky, Kentucky's down. Kentucky's definitely down from where they were. Uh, there you have Florida. Like I said, I mean, it's it, it's still it's kind of wide open as we yeah. In your mid majors, you'll have a few of them, and probably oh. two, probably two of the bigger ones that you hear have heard about so far would be Northern Iowa and Loyola Chicago. 
Yeah, they could go back to being a two-bid league where the Missouri Valley used to be. A, when they had Wichita State, Creighton, you know, Missouri State was good. You used to, They used to be a two- or three-bid league at times. Well, at one point, know, in the, like in the mid-2000s, they were getting four teams in. They had four at various times. And, you know, the, but yeah, you have the uh, – you can see, of course, and the Southland, you're going to see your Stephen F. Austin. Southland is always a good mid-major to watch. The Ohio Valley, those are like your top three mid-majors. But, mm-hmm. you know, we, it's, we, like I said, we still got little uh, – Six weeks to go to March Madness. So, yep. hey, so we'll be talking more about that uh, as we go along because, uh, of course, we're going to get closer. So NBA. now, NBA, well, let's go through the standings, and then we'll give you the uh, schedule uh, for tonight and the score, the one score that we do have in the East. Milwaukee at 41-7. and seven. And, uh, boy, you know, M- Milwaukee and the Lakers, I mean, if you had to stop right now and say who are the two best teams, you'd have to say that because they've got a good cushion in their, their conferences. Toronto, 35-14. and 14. The Celtics are 32-15 and 15 in, num- in third. Miami's at four, 32-15, uh, so it's a tie, but tiebreaker. Celtics just beat Miami this week, so that's probably why they're third. Indiana, 31-17. and 17. Philadelphia, 31-18. and 18. They're sixth. Uh, Brooklyn 21 and 26. So there's the big drop off there, those top six, and they're all making the playoffs. And then the battle is for the last two spots Brooklyn 21 26, Orlando 21 and 27. Then we, we uh, that's the playoff teams for right now. And there's a bit of a gap here before Chicago at 19 and 32, Washington at 16 and 31. Detroit is 11th at 17 and 33, Charlotte at 16 and 32 at 12. The Knicks are 13 and 36. Cleveland 13 and 36, and Atlanta brings up the rear. The rear. Well, they're all tied at 13 and 36. A real battle for 13th place. The big, the East is really going to go nuts over that. In the West, yeah. we have the Lakers at 36 and 10. Denver 34 and 15. The Clippers are 33 and 15. Utah 32 and 16. <clears throat> Excuse me, Houston 30 and 18. Dallas 29 and 19. Oklahoma City 30 and 20. And then you have the drop-off to Memphis at 24-25. So we know basically 13 of the 16 teams that are going to be in the playoffs, the top six in the East, top seven in the West, unless there's something amazing happens, they'll all be in. 24-25 and 25 for Memphis in eighth. San Antonio in ninth, 21-26. and 26. <clears throat> Portland, 21-27 and 27 in 10th. 11th place, Phoenix, 20-28. and 28. We have New Orleans, 20-29. and 29. We'll see if uh, Zion can you know, get them up uh, towards that eighth spot. I mean, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility. They've been playing better. Sacramento, 18 and 30. Uh, we then have Minnesota, 15 and 32. Golden State, uh, the sad tax of the West at 10 and 39. So in the uh, the playoffs right now, in the East, Milwaukee would be the one seed. They would play Orlando, who would be the eighth seed. Miami at four would meet Indiana, be five. In the other bracket, Toronto at two would meet uh, Brooklyn at seven. And the Celtics at three would meet Philadelphia at six. And we're actually having uh, a prequel of that tonight. That's the primetime game on ABC, if anybody wants to check out the Sixers and the Celtics. In the West, we'd have the Lakers at one against Memphis at eight, Utah at four, Houston at five. And remember, these between two, three, four, and five and stuff in the West, they're going to jump around a lot. And two through six in the East. So these will change all the time, but it's just fun to run them down. Right. Utah four, Houston five, Denver two, Oklahoma City seven. And we have the Clippers at three, and, uh, and Dallas is at six. And uh, then today, we had the Clippers beating Minnesota 118 to 106. Our schedule for tonight the seven o'clock games were the Knicks at Indiana, Miami at Orlando, the eight o'clock. Brooklyn at Washington, uh, we had uh, Golden State at Cleveland, 
8.30, the primetime game. I told, well, no, Atlanta at 8.30, Atlanta at Dallas. Primetime game is the Celtics hosting the 76ers. That's also at 8.30. Excuse me, 9 o'clock, Charlotte at San Antonio. 10 o'clock, Lakers at Sacramento and Utah at Portland. So that takes care of the NBA. Now, Sean, since you're in Texas, do you think if San Antonio doesn't make the playoffs this year that Greg Popovich would retire, or do you think he's going to continue coaching? I think he may. It just depends how burnt out he is. He's also, remember, he's the new Olympic coach also. So well, he he is, he, uh, the reason why I ask is because he is 70 years old, and I don't know if yeah, he'd he want to go. He may, he may step aside, but I think he wants to. I think he wants to maybe try one more year. And I don't know if he'd want to go through a rebuild because it looks like San Antonio might be headed for that. Yeah, so. we'll 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 see on that. I mean, I really don't know. But we'll see. And of course, but we have the other night. Let's big see Miles what uh, let's see what Pierre is up to first, guys. Okay. Go ahead, Pierre. Okay. Yeah, today uh, Auburn beat. Uh, uh, let's see who were they playing. Uh, Auburn Kentucky. beat Kentucky. Yes, seventy-five yeah, to sixty-five to sixty-six. Yeah. Okay. And uh, also yesterday was the fiftieth anniversary of Pete Maravich breaking the all-time scoring record in college basketball. Okay, uh, college basketball, okay. Yeah, uh, it, it, and it's weird. He did it at a place on the LSU campus at the Agriculture Building called the Cow Palace. By the way, Pierre, what's, uh, what starts two weeks from yesterday? College baseball. Okay. Yeah, you know, now you that's go. a sure. You know, that's a sure sign, though, that spring is coming because when we talk, yes, start right. talking about baseball, but, yeah, uh, Texas had the, Texas had their alumni game today. But anyway, he uh, he played in the Cow Palace, and uh, from there he got uh, his own stadium named after him, the Maravich Center. Okay, yeah, Maravich and he went on to Maravich the Atlanta Maravich Hawks Center. and played briefly. People may not know in Larry Bird's rookie year, he was he was on the Celtics. You and know, also. And also, Chris, you were right. There is race teams out of uh, 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 Indiana around uh, Indianapolis, but they are NHRA, not not NASCAR. Okay. I just figured, you know, depending where they want to race, where they want to practice, some of them live, live there's probably a lot in, uh, you know, Indiana, and then, of right. course, some probably down by Daytona, and like you said, North Carolina, a couple races there. So, you know, because you want to be home. It's a long circuit, you know, when you think about it, you're you're cool. going for, uh, you know, eight or nine yeah, months. So and 30, 36 weeks. Yeah, right. right. So you, want, yeah. you want to have a place where maybe uh, where they race a couple of times, so you could be home a little longer. Uh, uh, other than otherwise, you know. Right. And the thing is, uh, they're they're in uh, North Carolina, which is about as far east as you can go, and most of the races are west of there. So you yeah. know, you Texas, Arizona, Nevada, California, Vegas, Kansas, Vegas, right. Yeah, Tennessee. Uh, well, most of the NASCAR fans are not in the Eastern Time Zone. Let's put it that way. Some, yeah. you know, the South is kind of split between the East and funny in the South. But you know what I'm saying? It's it's not an Eastern sport. It, it's uh, you know yeah. we talk about other sports that are East centric. You know, whatever. Not so much NASCAR. It's a lot more, and and that's why you see the starting times being three and four o'clock. And the when they can do it, they don't want to go against football that way. But right. you know, or they they'll do the Saturday night because. You know, they just want to make yeah. it easier for the Central and Most the, places, and the it West. It usually starts at 1, 1 or one thirty or whatever time zone they're in. Right. right. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, we got anything else here for any calls before we go to hockey? No, not that I can think oh, of. Oh, I know what we got to do before oh, we go wait, to well, hockey. No, we do have, we, we got to do, do, do Kobe. We got to do Kobe. <clears throat> Okay, so yeah, this is the – somebody actually know the background on this? Where, where does this come from? This, uh, it was a poem basketball? he wrote. 
it was a poem he wrote, and then I think it turned into an animated feature, six-minute feature, and it won an Oscar. It was yeah, he won an Oscar for this. It was a letter to basketball. So yeah. okay, and yeah. Dear Basketball, from the moment I started rolling my dad's tube socks and shooting imaginary game-winning shots in the Great Western form, I knew one thing was real. I fell in love with you. A love so deep, I gave you my all, from my mind and body to my spirit and soul. As a six-year-old boy, deeply in love with you. I never saw the end of the tunnel. I only saw myself running out of one. And so I ran. I ran up and down every court after every loose ball for you. You asked for my hustle. I gave you my heart. Because it came with so much more. I played through the sweat and the hurt. Not because challenge called me. But because you called me. I did everything for you. Because that's what you do when someone makes you feel as alive as you've made me feel. You gave a six-year-old boy his Laker dream. And I'll always love you for it. But I can't love you obsessively for much longer. This season is all I have left to give. My heart can take the pounding. My mind can handle the grind. But my body knows it's time to say goodbye. And that's okay. I'm ready to let you go. I want you to know now so we both can savor every moment we have left together. The good and the bad. We have given each other all that we have. And we both know no matter what I do next, I'll always be that kid with the rolled up socks, garbage can in the corner, five seconds on the clock, Ball in my hands. Five, four, three, two, one.
There you go. And there we go. Okay. Do we need, do Bill? Do we need to take another break here? We're okay. 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 Then, well, the one well, thing that you need to think about, and he's talking about, you know, starting at six years old. I've seen, you know, you you observe it with people you know that maybe play hockey or basketball or baseball, or they get on travel teams and they're playing these things, and they're going all the time. Football, you know, they go all the time. You don't just become a pro, you know, you don't just get into it in high school and get into it college and then become a pro anymore. No, and that's one of the reasons young. too. That's one of the reasons too. You don't see the uh, double and triple sport athletes. You do occasionally you see football and baseball. Baseball and stuff, but you don't see it that much because usually people specialize and pick their sport at about ten or twelve and go go for it if they're really. And if you talk it. to a lot of high school coaches and a lot of other coaches, they think that's kind of a downfall in a lot of ways. Yeah, you, yeah, I, I I agree because there's different there's different skills you need in different sports and different atmospheres in different sports, and I think it makes a broader so person to play break, different You sports. need that break. You need that break for your sport, and this that's the thing with AAU ball now, especially because high school basketball season is basically like your off season because your AAU tournaments, your Nike tournaments, your Adidas tournaments, they go from March or April all the way through September, October, and they're all over the country. These select teams, and so you really don't get a break no. in that sport. Now, once once you're on to high school, and as you see, hey, this is probably what I'm going to be, then you might want to start looking at, hey, this is the one I want to focus on. But Now, you know, Kobe is one of the few success stories that actually came out of high school, didn't even go right. to college. Nope, you know, nope, right. nope. But youngest, you look at you look at the people now. You you'll see. Uh, remember that when LeBron went to Miami, he wanted to bring Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade with him because he played in, with tournament in tournaments with them when they were all coming up through high school in the early two thousands. That's why he wanted and, to hang. These were his yeah. buds, and he wanted to play with them. You know, and that happens with like with college. And that's why hey, I play with this. They all go to the same college together because they played on this AAU team, and they and you know a lot of that they don't learn the fundamentals with AAU ball either, like they do with their high school coaches. And that's especially in basketball, you're seeing that. That's why you're seeing the European players now were the old days. They weren't very fundamental. Now they're the ones with fundamental. Right. But, now, we've, okay. been asked, we've been asking other places about the memorial service. The only thing that we're hearing about a possible memorial service is that it, if and when it's held, it will be at the L.A. Coliseum. Yes. Oh. Okay. So, because all Staples right. Center, yeah, let's get some hockey. Yeah. Hockey. All right. Let's put on those skates. Here we go. <laughs> we'll done, run down the standings, then we'll do the scores and, uh, you know, the schedule for tonight. The Atlantic Division, the Bruins are seven with 72 points. Tampa Bay, number two, 67. Florida, 61. Toronto, 61. Montreal, 53. Buffalo, 51. Ottawa, 45. And probably the, I don't know, would you say that the, uh, uh, yeah, because you got the Warriors there. Would you say that the Red Wings are about the worst team in sports right now? Uh, uh, pro sports. Uh, yeah, yeah, they are. And Steve Eisenman uh, knew that when he took over. His yeah. Team. Oh no, it's not his fault. Yeah. Uh, you got Ottawa at forty-five, and they're not great. Detroit only with twenty-eight points. And remember, you right. get two points for a win and one for, for a tie or an overtime uh, loss or whatever. Yeah. And uh, yeah, no, it's not good. Metropolitan Washington at seventy-five. They're the best record in the league right now. Uh, Pittsburgh sixty-nine. The Islanders sixty. Columbus, 62. Carolina, 61. Quite a battle there. Philadelphia, 61 also. But then you drop off to the Rangers at 52 and New Jersey at 44. In the West, in the Central Division, we have St. Louis at 70, Colorado, 62, Dallas, 60, Nashville, 55, Chicago, 54, Winnipeg, 54, Minnesota, 52. And in the Pacific, we told you about the logjam, still exists. Vancouver still leading at 62. Edmonton, 60, Calgary, 60, Vegas Golden Knights, 59, Arizona, 58, 
and then the uh, California also runs this year. San Jose, 48, Anaheim, 45, and the Kings at 43. In the East, the way the playoffs would be right now, and it's really a jumble because of all these teams with 61 points, Washington would play either Toronto or Carolina or Philadelphia, who would be the number two wildcard team. Then in that division, Pittsburgh would play the Islanders. That is a series that's probably going to take place. It, it just looks like you just have the feeling that's the way it's going to be. And the thing is, we had the same thing in the, the Bruins in Toronto last year. We kept saying every week, Bruins are going to play Toronto, Bruins are going to play Toronto, Bruins are going to play Toronto. Well, they did. Well, so they did that for like, what, two years in a row, Chris? It was, they did. But yeah. I mean, all last year when we were running down the standings, we kept saying they, were, they would meet, and they yep. did. So yep. this would look like uh, this is death. And, in and the, as soon as you're done running down the, the playoff pairings there, right. I've got a few more things for hockey. Okay, stuff. good. And then we got some scores, as I said, in schedule. Uh, the Bruins uh, would play Columbus right now, and Tampa Bay would play Florida. We talked about that uh, potential series. In the West, we would have St. Louis against Arizona, Colorado against Dallas, Vancouver against uh, – uh, let's see. This ran together, and I'm having trouble reading it. Uh, I think it's oh, I think it's the Knights, Vegas Golden Knights. Yes, it is. And Edmonton and Calgary. What did you want to run down before we do? Um, well, um, we got to talk about the Grade Eight. Alex Ovechkin. He's been on quite a roll lately, and he's climbing very highly up on the uh, all-time scoring list. He's now at 695 goals. He's in eighth place on the all-time list. This week alone, he passed up. Steve Eiserman and Mark Messier, and the and the final seven either have over 800 goals or 700 goals. If he stays healthy, he's got a legitimate shot at breaking Wayne Gretzky's score, uh, goal scoring record. And Gretzky, okay. for the, Gretzky, for those that don't know, finished at 894 goals, so he's only 199 away. And Alex is one of these kind of players that very rarely ever gets hurt, so he's got a legitimate chance at. Uh, making some NHL history in the next few years. Okay. In the NHL today, we had Buffalo over Columbus 2-1 to one in overtime. <clears throat> Vancouver beat the Islanders 4-3 to three in overtime. And Montreal beat Florida 4 to nothing. <laughs> <clears throat> the schedule for tonight, 7 o'clock games were St. Louis at Winnipeg, Ottawa, Toronto, the Rangers at Detroit, a home-and-home. Home. Uh, we had Dallas at New Jersey at 7 o'clock. Colorado at Philadelphia, 8 o'clock games, Chicago at Arizona, Vegas Golden Knights at Nashville, the Bruins at Minnesota, 10 o'clock, Edmonton at Calgary, Anaheim at uh, the Kings, so the uh, freeway battle there. Freeway face-off, they call it on uh, Robert's iPhone, I think. That's or correct. Or Miss A, Some, yeah. somewhere it said. And Tampa Bay at San Jose, which rhymes. Yep. And then, uh, so that is basically hockey. So we now are down to baseball. And baseball hasn't been at the bottom of the list, but we did it for a reason because we want to play you the uh, Marty Brenneman stuff. So we have a few news and notes in baseball and uh, any rumors that uh, Perry or others may have. So we have uh, Nicholas Castellano. Castellano signed a four-year, $24 million. $64 million. I don't want to cheat the guy. He's getting mad. $64 million uh, contract with the Reds. And, uh, Perry, you've been saying, and Bill could certainly comment on this, you think the Reds uh, might be the favorite in that division now. I think probably they're at least up there because I was listening to this morning we on our, one of our local shows, Alex Cohen, the voice of the iCubs, was on there, and he said, the only reason he wouldn't put the Reds way out in front of everybody is they have proven lately that they can win games. But he said the, the reason that he would is because obviously the Cubs haven't done anything to better themselves, and neither have the Cardinals and the Brewers have really, in his mind, regressed. So 
Uh, he said he thinks that the Reds, they're at least right there. And mm-hmm. the Pirates are no threat. Sorry, Jerry. No. Well, and speaking of the, uh, uh, they got rid of Starling Marte, the Pirates did. Yeah. Uh, from Pittsburgh to Arizona for two minor leaguers. They better be pretty good if they're going to be anywhere near Starling Marte because he was yeah. their star. Houston hired, we were talking about the uh, the uh, aging Greg Popovich at 70 years old, and I'm 70 years old myself, but yeah. Dusty Baker doesn't think he's aging. He just took uh, the job with the Houston Astro- Astros. There were a lot of rumors during the week, yes, no, yes, no, but he finally took it, and it seems to be a step away from analytics. Uh, have you heard any commentary on that? Because, you know, Houston was one of the most analytics-driven teams, and of course, sign stealing and all that other stuff, which came, sort of spawned from analytics, because you could really hone in on all the details. So well, what the, thing, what, the one thing Dusty said, Dusty being Dusty the manager said, there, yeah. he said there will be no sign stealing on his watch. Right. Yeah, and I wonder if Dusty Baker is going to have a say so on who the GM is because remember they don't have a GM, so Jim Crane is doing all this himself. So right. Uh, well, maybe Ryan Jim Crane, on. maybe Jim Crane thinks he's Jerry Jones. So we'll see. Reed and Nolan Ryan have been helping. They should step back in a little more and help a little with Jim Crane. But I mean, yeah, okay. they're gonna—they're not gonna be GM. And of, cor- and of course, uh, Nolan Ryan played against Dusty Baker. And I, I am—I'm shocked. Now I'm glad that Dusty's back in baseball because he's—he's he's a good baseball guy. But he's always been a National League guy, so it's going to be interesting to see him manage in the American League. It'll be easier, you know. Yeah. He's just getting yeah. used to the fact that you can let the pitchers pitch a little bit more, and uh, you know, it's—it's it's a different. It's a different game, as we know, yeah. and we've had that discussion before about the DH or not the DH. Right. But, you know, it, it's probably an easier thing for him to do. And, of course, he did have success with the Giants. He had success. He's never been to the world. I don't think he's managed to. Yes, he was. Didn't he manage the Giants in 2002? In 2002. The that is correct. Right. Yep. So he yep. did make the World Series. He hasn't won one, but he went to the World Series yeah. in 2002. So, so he's got no, a good does, track record. Does, does he's a good guy. I'm glad to see him back in baseball. Uh, Chris, since you're in Boston, what are you hearing about the Red Sox? Nothing. They're not saying anything. Oh, well, the one thing they're saying is, uh, again, the trade talk between either the Red Sox and Padres or Red Sox and Dodgers about Mookie are heating up. We're hearing nothing about it. I think Heim Bloom is just keeping his counsel. I think you're going to probably it means you're not going to see a Jason Veritek. You're not going to see the bench coach hired. You know, uh, uh, what's his name? I can't think of his Ron name. Ron Renneke. Ron Renneke. You're not going to see that. You're going to see somebody who you're going to say, who the heck is that? He's going to be one of these guys that's uh, in somebody's system that uh, is an analytics kind of guy. I don't think the Red Sox are going to go away from the analytics. I think so, in other words, the Boston Red Sox are going to pull like a New York Mets, uh, bring in somebody with no manager experience. Well, yes, but maybe not like the Mets and be The Mets were doing it in the inside job, and they did it really fast. They felt like they had to get it done fast. Red Sox are not committed to having a manager when they go to training camp uh, uh, February 11th. By the way, the truck leaves. That's always a famous day around here when the truck leaves day after the Super Bowl on Monday. And they're not committed to having a manager in place. They started the 2002 season this way, too, under this ownership because they were getting rid of Joe Kerrigan and they hadn't figured out. And I don't think Grady Little was quite ready at the beginning of spring training to take over. So okay. uh, they've done this before. So this is not, and I think they're, they're leaving this to Heim Bloom and, uh, you know, with, with cons- consultations with Sam Kennedy. And uh, I think they're just going to go. Yeah, I, I think we'll be surprised by whoever it is. And it, I'm not saying it'll be a bad choice at all because I think Kyle Bloom's a very smart guy. He's a sort of a POFC kind of guy, and I think he'll do a good job. So we have the Cubs. We had a couple of minor league signings with Jeremy uh, Jeffers and uh, Steven Souza, who I remember playing from the Tampa Bay. Uh, and the, uh, and the Giants brought in Pavel Sandoval on a minor league deal. They brought him back. And Matt okay. Adams signed with the New York Mets on a minor league deal. Uh, a whole lot of minor league deals. Got and the, Reds, the Reds signed Pedro Stroop. 
Okay. Oh, okay. And uh, Scooter Jeanette is rumored to be uh, uh, with the Cubs, I guess. Or, the Cubs are at least interested. The Cubs are at least interested in him, but I don't know that they're going to be able to afford him. They, you know, the Cubs keep saying they don't have any money, so we'll right. we'll have to see on that one. And of and, course, uh, uh, Chris Bryant lost his arbitration case trying to get more service time. Yeah. So that that means the Cubs are going to be more interested in trading him. And one of the big rumors that we were hearing, and Perry, you can follow up on this since you're the Cub guy in this group, that uh, it would be a straight-up deal. Chris Bryant to Colorado for Nolan Arenado. Perry, have you heard anything else besides that? I've heard nothing besides that. So usually when you don't hear anything, sometimes you see things get done, but... We'll have to wait and see, but I get, I don't know. The, the problem I think the Cubs would have with that, yes, you would have a long-term solution at third base, but you'd be taking on a lot of money, and we know, yeah, what, the, uh, we know what the Cubs and money situation is right now. Right, uh, yes. but then they would probably uh, economize somewhere else, and, uh, you know, you'd have to see whether uh, they would do something with, you know, at first or whatever. You know, they've got some, some guys who are making some money, and they'll have to decide what they want to do. And we have uh, also in the broadcasting front, front we have Chris Myers going uh, from the, uh, going over to Marquee Sports. And, he'll uh, still work for Fox. He still he'll, still, for Fox. he'll still work for Fox, but during the baseball season, he'll work uh, and do stuff for the Cubs on the marquee. Yeah, he'll still be involved with Race Day, and he'll still be you know Race Day on Fox and the NFL. But he'll you know he'll he's going to go do uh, a lot of studio work for for the marquee. This is kind of a trend now. You're seeing people dabbling a little, like Sean McDonough with the Red Sox. Starting to see some people dabbling a little bit with baseball. They like baseball. They want to be around the game. It's you know it's a long haul and so forth. But it's 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 a, you know it's a little bit more of a personal game than some of the others where you're playing once a week or whatever. Some of these guys kind of like that that feel, too, to well, their sports uh, announcement. You know? it, works, it works out because you know Fox has the first half of NASCAR. So they're done by June. He does studio, you know, they're, they're, he does the studio stuff during the week and, you know, on Sundays he can come on and you know, do the stuff for Fox. Then in June, you know, he can do more studio, maybe do some, there's some talk of a few play-by-play games, and then in the fall come back for NFL sidelines. So, I mean, it works. Right. Yeah. And a lot of times in July, you'll see people like, uh, you know, maybe Pat Hughes go on vacation. So you might see Chris Myers on TV and uh, when, you know, when Catherine over on radio or something like that. Right. You, know, you can mix and match. People now, you, you used to do 162. The John Sterling days, you know, he's the last Iron Man doing 160 games like last year. He missed two or three games, whatever it was, one series, I guess, about 155 games and did 162 for years. You don't see that anymore. It used to be that you always did uh, back, other than unusual people like Kirk Gowdy who had national commitments. Most everybody did their, their games, you know, uh, day in, day out. But right. nowadays, uh, there's a lot more mixing and matching. I think they feel that the audience likes a little change from the same yeah. voice every day, yeah, I think, too. I think you know? a little bit, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, so we set up this... So, so we got the Marty Brenneman so uh, coming up, and I think it's a good thing, by the way. Though I think it's a good thing, by the way, though that Pam didn't do her show because we would have already have overshot her. That's correct. <laughs> so let, let's, have, let's have Sean do the closing promos, and then we and can then we'll go get away to with Marty, Marty. Brenneman and uh, Bill Cunningham. Yeah, yeah. And so basically, but let's as we do this, uh, we can set up the Marty Brenneman. This is him and Bill Cunningham talking about uh, the. The scandal, the size ceiling, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's, it's that, yeah. and they talk about some other things too. 
Right. Okay. Yeah. So you'll hear you'll hear that. But and we want to thank you on this special Saturday night edition. I uh, hope you all have enjoy your Super Bowl parties. Remember, uh, behave if you're going to somebody else's party. Don't get in trouble. Uh, don't do anything stupid. I'm staying home. I don't uh, have to behave. This is good. Yeah. But if you go, any of yeah. y'all that are going to a Super Bowl party, you know, behave. And if any of you drink and drive, please drink responsibly. Yeah. You know, all that kind of good yes, stuff. Yes, and definitely. Yeah, definitely. Uh, also, Especially you blind guys that are driving, the big beer is yeah, responsible as you be, can if you're and, in that yeah, situation. Yeah. We will be back on our normal time next Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. But if you ever are not available to listen at that time or if, uh, anytime, remember, you can download the podcast cast by going to legendoldies.com. Also, now, if you want to download it, want it delivered to you as soon as it's posted, type in the word sports lounge live, three words, in your podcaster and have it delivered. Same, same thing for all things radio. You do all things radio and for coffee club you do wednesday coffee and it'll deliver it also and on your smart device you just you tell it play sports lounge live podcast all things radio podcast wednesday coffee podcast and if it's behind you just keep saying next and it'll help you go current or you can listen to them all at 773-572-3006 option seven is the coffee club option eight all things radio option nine Sports Lounge Live, when you're listening, hang up, call back in, continue listening later. If you want to archive, just hit the pound key on whatever option you're listening to, and it will take you in the archives. And leave us feedback, 800-693-0595, option two. So, fellas, we'll be back next week. And let's hear, let's hear what Marty and Bill have to say as we close. Yeah, yeah. Have a good week, everybody. See ya. You know, the Joseph family has been in the auto business now for over 50 years. This longevity is due to them taking care of you, the customer, with the best in sales and service. Do this. Visit josephchevrolet.com for all the current offers and details. Better yet, drive onto the lot and see the main man, Reese Powers. Tell him and his team, show me how I can afford a brand new Chevy, your car, truck, your SUV today. Remember, new vehicles come with the Joseph Vehicle Lifetime Warranty. And for a limited time, lease or purchase any new new or used vehicle at Joseph Chevrolet, and you're going to receive, in addition to all the other benefits, a $100 Kroger gift card. Find your roads now at Joseph Chevrolet on Coleraine. You suck at money? Don't worry. You're not alone. That's why Matt and I created this podcast, How to Money. That's right, Joel. Money can be intimidating, and we're all about changing that perception. We're two best friends, making money conversations fun and interesting, and helping people suck a whole lot less at this money thing. So whether you want to save more, buy a home, or just gain a better perspective on a subject that affects all of us, listen and subscribe to our show on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for How to Money. All right, Billy Cunningham, the Great American uh, Reds Caravan begins tomorrow. I I can't believe I'm saying that. The 2020 Reds Caravan, the North to South, the East to West Tour begins tomorrow, Thursday, January the 16th. They're going to travel three and a half thousand miles around Reds country. And I have not sensed the excitement about the Reds baseball club that I had the last several years because right now with the Moose and Shogun and all the stuff going on, signing a new pitchers, there's more excitement. A man that can capture this more and better than anyone else, the Hall of Famer, Marty Brenneman. Marty, welcome again to the Bill Cunningham Show. And Marty, how are you? I'm very well, Billy. I hope you are. <laughs> I tell you what, can you believe the caravan is here as we speak starting tomorrow? It's unbelievable. 
Well, you know, I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir when I tell you that the older you get, the faster time goes by. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's, it's shocking, really. But at the same time, I've said for four and a half decades, once the Christmas comes and goes and a new year begins, everything then becomes uh, the warp speed variety. And you have the caravan, then you have spring training. And before you know it, March 26th rolls around and it's the Cardinals for real. Is it a sense... Uh... Of all the things that might have been because you've done all that you can do. And you, you said uh, in November, December, when, when it was announced that, you know, October, you're going to well, did the last games that you're going to miss it mostly. And in, uh, in spring training, is that urging Do you, the East tour is going to be uh, for those who want to know more, go to the red site, go to our blog. We got the North, the South, the East, the West, and who's going to be on each one. And where are you going to be at what time? Three and a half thousand miles. And many Reds fans may think this is like a farewell tour for Marty, but it's beginning of something fresh and different. No, no, that's nothing. This thing has nothing to do with me. Absolutely nothing to do with me. It all has to do with, um, uh, and, and I say this, and, and, and I think everybody will support me, that ever since the Castellini group took over this club, they have realized the importance of this event to the point where it, it, they, they spend no ends of dollars in sending four buses out to all points of the compass over a three-day period uh, with players and broadcasters and club officials and et cetera, et cetera, Hall of Fame player, former uh, players who are in the Hall, um, to promote the club and to get people talking ahead of what they normally would about the coming season. Yeah. Uh, you know, I can remember back when I first came, we had one bus, and we had about eight people on that bus, and we uh, we were lucky if we hit five or six stops. Now you've got four buses with a ton of people on each bus, and, and the, the itineraries are well mapped out, and it's just become a very, very successful endeavor, and it accomplishes exactly what the club wants because the people on this thing make themselves available for interviews and uh, with writers and broadcasters and um, uh, radio and TV people. Uh, so it's a very, very a big event, and it's a very, very successful one. As a Reds baseball fan, I, I love the fact that Mike Moustakas was signed to a long-term guaranteed contract, Shogun. If somebody would say to Marty, you're going to be asked this question, why are you excited about the 2020 Reds? What would you say? Well, because they've added some quality people. Uh, uh, Mike Moustakas not only is a productive ball player, he's a, he's a quality person. Um, there's never been one word negatively uttered uh, about this guy in the years in which he's been in the big leagues. He's a great teammate. Um, his numbers will support the fact that he will, he will be a very productive hitter. Um, the, the left-hander Wade Miley, it was kind of interesting right. when the club announced that he had been signed to a contract. Uh, Danny Graves texted me from his home in San Antonio and he said, you realize this is the same guy we were talking about on the radio in July about wouldn't it be something down the road, him becoming a free agent at the end of the year if the Reds could secure his services. Uh, I've always been a big fan of this guy, and his addition really puts this rotation on par or better than anybody else in this division. I was uh, – a man and I are coming back right now from – uh, I had a speaking engagement last night at the Nashville Baseball Old-Timers Association banquet, and Sonny Gray came out, and he and I were talking before the event began, and he's really excited uh, about this team and specifically about this rotation. Uh, heck, he's reporting to spring training on February 2nd. Right. Um, so I, I think the general feeling is um, that, that this baseball operation has, has, has done what it could so far to make this a better team to the point where people are talking about this team. Now, I don't know that they are there yet. I, I personally feel they've got to add another bat. 
uh, where that may come from, whether it's a shortstop, which everybody seems to feel like Freddie Galvez can't do the job. I'm not sure of that. But I'm still stunned over the fact that Jose Iglesias uh, ends up signing with the Philadelphia for the Baltimore Orioles at $3 million, which is considerably less than he made in his only year with the Reds last year. Right. Um, and then the outfield situation, uh, there's feeling that they could add another outfielder. And uh, so we'll see what happens. But I, I think as we talk today, there, there's no question this is a better baseball team. And uh, I think teams like the Cardinals and the Cubs and the Brewers uh, need to be looking over their shoulders because this, this team is coming and it's coming rather quickly. If somebody would say to the Hall of Famer, who's in left, center, and right? I think most of the other positions are kind of nailed down, but left, center, and right is Shogun and left? You know, right now I'd say that's probably where he'll be. Uh, if you consider that Senzel will play center and, right. and uh, Aquino will be in right, although none of this is etched in stone, Bill, because, you know, Aquino, for all the great things he did, uh, after being called up on August 1st last year, he still has to prove, uh, and, and it would require a fairly good spring training out of his bat in order to be in right field on opening day. He, you know, he, he came up and set records right and left uh, the first three weeks or three weeks plus, and then all of a sudden the pitchers started pitching him differently, and he struggled for about three weeks, and then it seemed like toward the end of the season he got his act together and he started making solid contact. So I still maintain the verdict is out on him. And I think, um, you know, you never know what's going to happen. Uh, Senzel's name has been mentioned uh, prominently in trade talks, specifically um, as the rumors went, the Reds talking with the Indians about Francisco Lindor. But right now, all indications are, unless something happens that nobody's aware of, the Indians apparently are going to sit back and, and, and plan on opening the season with Lindor at shortstop after all. Right. Um, but all indications are, if the Reds, this seems the Reds, if they could make a trade to upgrade at shortstop, they would. Um, but I, I offensively, I think this club is better now just for the sake of having Ustakas in the lineup and Akiyama in the lineup every day. It's just a question of where uh, Akiyama will play. And I, I agree with you right now as we talk, and we have no idea what will happen between now and March 26th. For me, he would probably open the season in left field. Marty, as far as what happened a couple of days ago with the commissioner, and I've seen some of the commentaries about comparing to stealing signs, using uh, analytics and using the video replay and then having pounding the drum, that this is something uh, some of the experts in the game have said, take away the rings from the uh, from the 2017 uh, uh, Houston Astros. In fact, uh, I've seen that you uh, Darvish put up a posting. You Darvish said, uh, when are we going to get our rings from, from 2017? Uh, they cheated. Uh, other ballplayers have said they cheated. Can you put in perspective as far as stealing signs the way it was done, which has been part of baseball since 1869, but the way the signs were stolen is completely different than it was as far as putting that in context with the steroids and the Pete Rose ban is how does this fit in the pantheon of sins? Was it similar to 1919? Was it similar to steroids? Taking away the rings, taking away the trophies. Should you vacate? Maybe the Boston Red Sox is going to happen sometime later this week or next week. Can the Hall of Famer put in context how serious a baseball crime was the sign stealing by Houston? Well, I think it's very serious. I think it's a, the black cloud is over this game now because the questions will always be asked. Uh, from now until the end of time or till the end of this great game, who else was involved? What other clubs were doing something similar to what the Astros were doing? Maybe nobody. Uh, may, maybe there wasn't another team. So far, nobody has stepped up and said, well, you know, this club was also doing it or this club was doing it. But so I, you have to operate under the assumption that both the Astros and the Red Sox were doing it and, and, um, and they got caught. 
and I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of the commissioner of this game, but I think the penalty that he leveled on first Houston and, and, and before he could do anything, of course, the Red Sox fired Alex Corey yesterday, I think were the types of penalties imposed that will get the attention of everybody. Uh, you know, stealing signs and doing it from a visual perspective. I, ever since I've been in this game, there have been names mentioned. This this coach on this team or this player is adept at, at, at stealing signs. I don't have a problem with that. Right. Uh, but I have a problem with crossing the line and doing it electronically. And that's exactly what the Astros were doing. Um, uh, people are wondering now, what's what's your future for uh, Jeff Lunau and A.J. Hinch? Uh, Jeff Lunau would never get a job with me. Uh, again in the game of baseball, certainly not as a general manager, and that, and he's not he's not going to get a lot of support from people in the fraternity because he is not a very well liked individual. He's not a nice person. Uh, in Hinch's case, good guy, uh, but uh, he wouldn't work for me either because I saw a video uh, three days ago that uh, he was a part of before one of the playoff games in October, and the question was asked, and he was rather indignant, but uh, but controlled uh, uh, controlled indignance. And uh, to think that we or anybody else would, would, would stoop so low as to do what we're being rumored to have done and, and made the comment that, you know, all we hear is rumors and allegations and they're whispered. Uh, somebody put their name to it if they have a passion for this thing bad enough. Well, Mike Fires, who was a former pitcher for Houston, put his name to it, and it resulted in A.J. Hinch and Jeff now being fired. It bothers me because Hinch basically lied. In that news conference, he knew what was going on, and that came out in the, in the uh, commissioner's announcement the other day. He, he was not happy with it, and he mentioned the fact that on one occasion, um, A.J. Hinch destroyed two monitors behind the dugout because he was not comfortable with stealing signs. That's all well and good, but having known that they were being done, he didn't do anything about it. So he's as guilty as hell. And as far as Alex Cora is concerned, he should never get another job, and he should be banned. Uh, permanently, he was the architect of Houston doing it, and he was at the at the forefront uh, after he became manager of the Boston Red Sox. So he should never get another job. Um, but the penalty, along with the firings or the suspensions and the resultant firings and the five million dollar fine and and the big and uh, as big a hit of all for Houston is the loss of their first and second round draft picks in 2020 and 2021. That is huge. I mean, you can destroy a franchise right. by losing those four picks over a two-year period. That's tough to come back from. You know, when a person commits wrongful misbehavior, which happens criminally, civilly, whatever it might be, uh, I'm amazed at the uh, lack of foresight, what's going to happen in the future. So when Hinch and I guess others, uh, maybe Cora, hatched this plot in 2017 or earlier, that they had to have known there were 20 to 30 other individuals knowledgeable about what was going on who would be playing for other ball clubs, who would be traded. So it's amazing to me how Hinch or others, the general manager, would come up with this plot to do this, to break the rules, especially after the commissioner, Rob Manford, put out another missive, don't do this, when, right. when, he, when he knew that there were dozens of individuals who would later play for other organizations who had knowledge about what was going on. How does somebody think like this? It isn't just one person doing something wrong. For this to be effective, 20 to 30 players, uh, clubhouse attendants, coaches, others had to have known exactly what was going on. So you give to other people the ability to destroy your life. And it's being done for what? When you know you're going to be found out anyway, I guess they were banking on the fact that in the future that this would be uh, blown off as not important or or it would be permitted at some point in the future. But when it went on, you Darvish, it was said at the time, it almost looked as if when he was pitched, uh, for the Dodgers that 
the batters knew the pitch that was coming. And, and, a, and a one point, uh, an announcer during the game said, this is unbelievable. He throws the breaking ball, which is breaking three feet. It's almost as if they know it's going to be in the dirt. They're not swinging. And so it was kind of a below the covers issue. But how can somebody in an entire organization wrongfully engage in known wrongful behavior, anticipating they're never going to be found out when obviously they're going to be found out? Well, I couldn't agree with you more. I, you know, every player on the Houston ball club knew what it was, what was going on. Um, I, nobody ever dreamed that the unwritten rule would ever be broken, and that is that you don't talk about what goes on inside a clubhouse. And and of course, Mike Fires broke that rule, and that's when the the you know London Bridge came tumbling down. Um, but I agree with you. I'd be I'd be petrified right. if I were involved in yeah. something like this, and thirty to forty or fifty people all were aware of it. And you have to know at some point that something is going to happen, that somebody is going to spill the beans. And it happened. And Alex, you, go, yeah, you mentioned you mentioned the vacate the vacating. Baseball doesn't do that. Baseball is not like the NCAA where they vacate seasons or vacate championships. Uh, you know why? I can't answer that question. That's just something that baseball has a history of. So unfortunately, I would think that if there are plaques honoring the Astros World Championships. Uh, and the Boston Red Sox World Championship in Cooperstown, that those plaques would be taken down and there would be an asterisk placed by the, the, uh, on the plaque to indicate uh, what possibly helped them win a World Series. Uh, I doubt that's going to happen again. But what's interesting, Bill, and Ron Morrissey, who is a celebrated writer in Chicago, wrote a piece the other day, and, and the, the, the gist of the piece was, Okay, you know, this, this story has now become public knowledge, and the commissioner has suspended these people with the expectation at the time that Alex Cora would be suspended and possibly fired by the Red Sox. What about Pete Rose? What about him? Uh, yeah. None of these people were suspended forever, like he was. Right. And his his occurred 30 years ago. Right. Um, and 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 I, I got to buy into it. Uh, I think it opens up uh, the Pete Rose, Rose story just as fresh now as it was when the band came in 1990. Absolutely. And, and I think you seriously have to ask yourself the question. And I would like to think that there were people out there who had the kind of pressure they could make the baseball powers sit up and take notice as to apply pressure for them to rethink that situation. You can not continue to make him an island unto himself when you are suspending people right and left and you ignore uh, the one guy who uh, you can you can promote all you want to about the great things he did and I make that comment all the time you go into the hall in Cooperstown and you can hardly turn around without seeing some mention of some achievement that Pete Rose accomplished during his great career that supports what a great game baseball is yet you, the hypocrisy of it is that you don't allow him to come in and right. I admit, if you don't want him in the hall and he's banned for life take every damn mention of Pete Rose out of the hall of fame and quit using him to promote your game there's no no comparison to what Pete Rose did to the game as compared to what Houston and probably Boston did, which affects the outcome of actually the World Series. That that Correct. was the signature moment of baseball is the World Series, and the one year Bud Selig just trashed the World Series completely and said we're not going to have one anymore, and everything that's happened up to this point doesn't matter. There's no championship. And then it go fast forward to what's happening now. There is no comparison. It's comparing an elephant to a gnat. I agree with you 100%. Um, the problem is that it seems like everything falls on deaf ears. They, they don't want to hear it. Uh, they're tired of talking about it. But I maintain that this situation right here has resurrected once again uh, the hue and cry by the fans across the country, and, and they are overwhelmingly in favor 
of having Pete Rose put in the Hall of Fame, I think it starts all over again. Amen, because that guy, before he's dead, and likely it may not happen because it's Cincinnati, and I always have this idea that Cincinnati is not treated the same as New York. When it's a New York issue, it's Cincinnati. Cincinnati doesn't matter. But if Pete Rose, he thinks he's going to get in after he's dead. I pray to God he gets in before that occurs. But Pete Rose, got to stand, you got to say, okay, based upon this, these are the we're going to allow the vote to take place whether it should be in the Hall of Fame or not. Uh, and I think there's less of a chance with the Veterans Committee because he's off now the ballot, and so it's up to them. Right. But uh, all right, Marty, we're, we're, I, I want to say this. I miss you already. Thank you, Billy. I appreciate it, bud. Uh, you'll be at work tomorrow, though, on the Reds Caravan. I'll be there bright and early tomorrow morning. Give my best to you and yours. Thank you. Thank you, pal. Talk to you soon. All right, Marty. Thank you. Bye. Right, now, there's the best right there. I want to get your reaction. 513-749-7000, pound 700, the new AT&T. Do you agree or disagree with the Hall of Famer? On News Radio 700, WLW. 